Amen. Come on, the cross is the only way to be saved. I tell you, Pearl Street Church, the cross is the only way that we can be saved. As we say it around here, there's many ways to Jesus. There's one way to God. Not because we said it, because Jesus said it. That's an amen. That's an amen. I know, I know it's a little politically incorrect, so you're like, uh, can I say amen? I don't know, you know. At Pro Street Church, we're uncompromised in the truth of God's word. Doesn't matter what the world is saying. So at the cross, salvation for all of humanity. Amen. Well, I'm Pastor Brent. Get to lead the incredible movement known as Pro Street Church. Heather and I have been at the mix for a long period of time. We are here to reach unchurched people. You just got to know what we're about. If you're new, you're kind of visiting. We have 50 new people this past week taking next steps in the church at Open House, which was legit. Um, but man, we're in the mix. You gotta, we love people that are far from God. And we love people that maybe are far from God in uh, never knowing, or people that are far from God simply by knowing, but their hearts have turned away from him, and now it's just religious activity. So we love everybody, amen, at Pearl Street Church. Uh, so and one of the things that we don't always get the opportunity of this, and now I'm seeing him right here in the house here today, but we, we talked about, if you come to our open house, I'll tell the story in our church that when this became a reality, when we picked up the phone to call this building our church home, we called a number that was on this building, and in the middle of the Caribbean, they would pick up the phone uh, and answer this call. And so when we talk about our mission and our vision as reaching unchurched people, we have silent partners in this, in this mission. Bob and Barbara, his, his late wife, Barbara, but also Lori Collins, the owners of this building are in the house. If you don't guys mind stand up, let's give it up for the owners of this house. Silent partners, if you will, in the mission of Pro Street Church. So it's good to have you guys here. It's good to see you guys today. Now, it is a privilege that we get one of our board members that is here. We are, we're in this series at the cross and we're going hard in the paint on it because there's so much power in what happens at the cross. And uh, in this season that we're in, Pastor Chris, if you don't know, his, his journey, he's been 13 months in California without being able to meet like we're meeting here today. They are locked down in California, so he's going to preach today, and it may go a little long. Could go a little long, right? But he's in the house today. He is a board member. He oversees the house. He oversees where we're, you know, where we're at, where we're going. He's a massive blessing to my life. He's a a mentor to me. He's been, we've been riding together for 10 years. This is what it looked like whenever we got together. He came to my, my student ministry that I was leading. We had like 30 kids on the ground. Guess who that is right there? That is Brett Casey in student ministry back in the day, right there. First time he came and preached. And man, when he said after that service, he said, you don't know this, but you just reached the city. We just reached the city. And here we are 10 years later. Uh, you know, a church in downtown San Antonio with man, an incredible future ahead of us and a prophetic word spoken 10 years ago. Just absolutely beautiful. So if you would, without further ado, the boy's going to preach it here today. Uh, if we could give it up for one of our board and our friends and our family, Pastor Chris Harrell. All right. All right. Pearl Street, how you doing today? Yeah, come on, you all, you all the second service, you got to sleep in. I expect a little energy out of this one, all right? Uh, we haven't had the chance to meet yet. My name is uh, Chris, and I pastor at Our City Church in Southern California. And this is, I mean, it's a treasure to be with you because 
you know, we haven't, uh, we're a new church and we didn't have a facility as beautiful as this. And so we were renting from a high school and that school is, is you know, a government entity. So we're beholden to the, the, the powers of the, 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 the district of that school district. And um, so they haven't rented to us and nobody else wanted to deal with the liability and all the drama in California. You know, if you ever want to go into law, they got a job for you. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and so unfortunately, I have not seen my church in I've seen them once in 13 months in person so I've been a hundred percent online and it's been tough um, but we've made it through praise God um, but uh, I, I just gotta say this is fun for me to be with you to look at your faces and to see you and to preach and to be with Pastor Brent um, is a joy um, you know he and his wife have just uh, done such a marvelous job with Pearl Street and to be able to look at that picture that was up is so funny um, did anyone see his hair I hope y'all was paying attention at that one because I looked up and I just his wife started giggling um, hey uh, I feel that this is a real critical time uh, for Pearl Street Church I feel like this weekend's an important weekend and um, and I believe God has something special he wants to say to you uh, he knows who you are he knows where you're going he knows where you're coming from and I don't think it's an accident that this is the weekend you're here and the weekend that I'm here. And God has a funny way of bringing in the right message at the right time uh, for you in your life. And, and I'm believing and praying that that's going to happen here today. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it to John chapter 3. We're going to look and study that part of, uh, of Scripture today. If you're not a Bible reader or maybe you're just getting back into church or uh, you're listening or watching this online and you're kinda, you got invited because somebody said Pearl Street will love you right where you're at but also share with you uh, truth that that will change your life, give you the change you're looking for. Um, I want to let you know that this conversation we're going to look at is uh, a conversation Jesus has with someone that I think really kind of helps us understand uh, what is necessary and needed in our, our day. And before we jump into John 3, I, to kind of help you understand a little bit about me, just real quick, um, uh, I was born and raised in the Bay Area of uh, East Bay of San Francisco, okay, uh, area like real close to Oakland. And so today you might notice that. Um, I don't live there anymore. I live in Southern California now. Uh, I left Oakland, but there's a part of Oakland that has never left me and never will. That'll come out today, I promise. And I'm proud of it. Um, and so I, um, you know, I, I, uh, I gotta say that I really do, um, love like where God has me. Um, and, and so a little bit more about me maybe is, um, I'm, I'm half Mexican. Um, both my parents were white, but I married a Mexican and they own, they took over half of all of my identity in my life. And that was part of the deal. And I was like, all right, let's roll. So uh, my, my family is first generation um, immigrants from Mexico. My wife was born in Zacatecas. Um, and so, orale. And then, um, and, uh, and so I had to learn just enough Spanish to be able to ask my future father-in-law for um, my, 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 my future wife's hand in marriage. And I butchered it, but I did the best I could. And um, you know, my wife speaks, um, we have a five-year-old little girl. Um, her name is Eliana, and um, you know she's a treasure. She's a real joy to us. Uh, Brenda speaks only Spanish to her, so she's a bilingual little girl, which is amazing. Um, I try to keep up, you know what I'm saying, because I don't want them to start having private conversations about me. <laughs> so I got to keep up with the fives. I know about a five-year-old's version of Spanish right there, okay? I know all the colors, I know all the numbers, I know all the animals, I know most plants. 
know what I'm saying? So I could do that. Unfortunately, I also got to learn Spanish working in kitchens um, uh, growing up. And so I worked at, you know, different kitchens. And, and I don't know if you've ever worked in the kitchen, but um, I can tell you this. There was words I didn't know what they really, really meant. Okay. I know what they meant to the guys I worked with. Right. They would tell me, you know, and they would say, I'm not going to say it because I know y'all know the words. But um, uh, 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 I did not know that. And so the first time, you know, I found out what they really meant. I was in church and I was joking around with this, you know, really sweet old mother of the church, Peruvian lady, you know, and, and she didn't. And, and, I, and I decided I was going to say, you know, the thing that they said to me when they were excited to see me. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, man, they always say this. And, and then I said it. And as soon as I said it, man, I, it was like the Holy Spirit left the room, man. And she just looked at me and said, Pastor Chris, you must never say those words again. Never. I was like, never, never? Nunca, never. I was like, all right, okay, all right, my bad. So I've had to learn that there was things I needed to know that I did not understand, right? And we all, we all have these needs. Uh, we have needs to know certain stuff so that we can move forward in life. Some of us know what it's like to need. But I want you to think about that word need for a second, okay? What, what does it mean to you, need, right? Because we use the word need for a lot of different things. You ever seen somebody's nice shoes and go, man, I need those shoes in my life, right? Sometimes you're like, I need a vacation. I need steak. I want, I need steak tonight, right? Like, I need this. I need that. We know what it's like but 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 when you really need that's different some of you know what it's like to need a job you know what it's like to need a life-saving surgery you know what it's like to have someone in your family need to figure out how to deal with a very difficult situation some of you know what it's like when you're so heartbroken you need a good friend to listen to you and be with you um, if, if you have or know someone who deals with uh, diabetes, you know what it's like to need insulin, not want insulin, not hope to get it when it comes around, need. Your life shuts down when you don't get what you need, not want, need. All of us, and not just us, but all of us have needs when it comes to our soul and to our life. People for thousands, ages of years have needed to know how to deal with a few things. And it doesn't matter what culture, it doesn't matter what ethnicity, what background, what economic status, people have needed to figure out, what am I doing here? What's my purpose, okay? What's the meaning of my life, okay? And what's the meaning of some of this messed up stuff that happened in my life? And how do I deal with the messed up stuff, ready, that I did that messed up some stuff? How do I deal with the stuff that other people did that was messed up to me. Okay, I didn't, it's not my fault, but now it's my issue. How do I deal with that? Because I need to figure out how to deal with that. Because I don't know how to deal with that. And when I've got certain issues or hangups or the propensity to sin in certain areas, I need to deal with that. I need to deal with the feeling I feel, even if I don't know words. Some of you may not have known words once upon a time. It's like, I don't know the words to say, but you know what it's like to need to deal with the feelings of guilt or shame or remorse or regret over decisions you've made that you're like, I know that's not right. I, not just because the Bible says so, I say so. I don't like that I did that. It's not because some Bible verse tells me Yes, I believe that. Of course I believe that. But if you were honest in those moments of honesty and silence, and if you don't know how to be honest nor silent, you can never listen to the needs that I'm talking about. Some of you stay so busy 
going from this to that, this to that, this to that. And our world has actually made it so difficult to slow down long enough and listen to the voice of the thing saying, what am I supposed to do with my life? What am I supposed to do next? And how do I deal with this stuff that I have done and has been done to me? We're not the first group of people that need to know this. We're not the first group of people that need to find this out. In fact, there was a guy who was looking for answers to these very questions, and he went and he met with Jesus. And he asked Jesus some of the very same questions that we all want to know because we need, and for thousands of years, people need to do it. And this is what's cool about God. God knew you and I would want to and need to know this. And he put stories into the Bible that help us figure this stuff out. And one such story is found in John chapter three. Now, John chapter three is famous for something. It's very, very famous in Christianity uh, or any expressions of faith in Jesus. John three holds one of the, if not the most famous scripture of all of holy sacred text. It's known as John three sixteen. If you're new to the Bible or getting back into it, John three sixteen is the flagship of faith. It's got the whole thing baked right into one verse, man. I mean, it's beautifully stated, concisely stated. It says everything wrong with you, everything right with God and who God is. It makes no apology. It doesn't care about your emotions or feelings of how you think about what's true. Just like gravity has not consulted your feelings when it begins to work. Okay, truth don't care how you feel. Truth is truth, the end. That's just the deal, right? John 3.16 has this beautiful ability to just have truth, be succinct, and say it like it is. Now watch this. If you don't understand what's going on in John 3, then John 3.16 is incomplete in its true power, I think, in your life. And that's what I want to do today. I want to take the camera lens of scripture and I want to zoom in on this interaction that Jesus has with a guy who is looking for purpose, meaning, understanding. How do I deal with the stuff I've done wrong? Who is God? How do I know him? And listen, if you don't know how to be silent and you don't know how to be honest, some of you know how to be quiet, but you don't know how to be honest with yourself. Some of you are so honest, but you don't let yourself get quiet enough to actually wrestle with the thoughts that you're honest about. So you just go here to there, busy to busy. And we have given permission to our world to actually keep us chaotically busy through the memes of the thing that comes on our phone. We don't know how to not scroll to just burn time. We don't know how to not get on Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime and just go, go, go. I don't want to think about what I did. I don't want to think. 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 I know. I know what I've done. I'm honest enough to know that that's bad. I know it's bad. I know it's bad. But I don't know how to just be silent so that we can talk about it with myself and with a God who loves me. Silence and honesty are required for you to actually get to the bottom of what you're really plagued with. And today I think God brought you in here because you're not the only ones that are plagued with it. I am too. And you're not the only ones in this city is, but there's an entire city that don't know the answer. And I want you to know it. You already know it, but you don't know why you know it. And you might be doing it wrong. And this church is too important to this city to not get this. You have to have this, especially with the way our world is and the way the culture is going. We must become aware of this and know how to do this. This guy's name is Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus and he's got some questions and I wanna now jump in and find out what did Jesus tell him and what does he want to tell us about that? John chapter three, verse one, this is what it says. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Let's pause there. Back then, uh, it's very important to understand. So everybody say there and then. There. Come on, everybody say there and then. There. Now, 
I want to give you some of the rules of, of the, the, the deal with me when I come and I preach here at Pearl Street. Um, and this is kind of how it goes. Um, the louder you are, the better I'll preach. Okay? So you're doing good already. You're doing, you're doing much better, much improved, really good, most improved player. Uh, 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 and so at any time today, if you start to feel like he's not really preaching that good, I want you to know that it's your fault. And if you'll do your part, it'll help me do mine better. Thank you. God bless. So this guy is a member of the Jewish ruling council. Everybody say there and then. I want you to understand what was happening there and then in the Bible. Why? If you don't understand what's happening there and then in the Bible, then you can't apply it to your here and now. I like to say at our church, at our city church, is if you don't understand the world of the Bible, then the words of the Bible won't make sense to you. And you could give me a Bible in Chinese, but I don't read Mandarin. So guess what? As powerful as those words might be, if I don't understand them, they ain't helping me. What am I going to do? Open it up and rub it on my face and my heart? God, get this information that I can't read and understand into my life and heart. We need understanding to get to the truth. You understand? So, there and then, here's who Nicodemus is. He's a part of the ruling council of the Jewish community. And the Jewish community isn't just some, like, faith-based or some pastor. Not to say that pastors don't have influence. We do. We run churches, and churches serve the city. So, by influence of serving people, we get a chance to have influence. But we're not running the city. No, no, no. The Jewish council there and then ran the city. It's the mayor, the city council, the governors, the senators. The ruling council then ran things, made decisions that actually affected everybody's day-to-day -day life. That's who these people are. They get to also decide who God loves, who God accepts, who God does not accept, and what's wrong with you. Who's in, who's out. Lots of power. Jesus comes on the scene. He starts talking about his father. He starts doing miracles. And he starts inviting people into the show and into the party that these Pharisees and ruling council people don't like having around. He's changing the rules. He's inviting those who are outsiders. He's inviting Gentiles. This may not mean much to you, but back then they actually got into big arguments over if you circumcised your child on the eighth day or not, or at all. Gentiles did not circumcise their, their men, and they were called the, the defiled. We got our own cultural reasons for why we get defiled in America in 2021, but suffice to say, you, if you've been in church long enough, you know how to find who's in and who's out. Listen to a Christian long enough and they'll get to their list. They had a list, you got a list, we got a list, the list didn't existed back then. Jesus comes in and he starts messing with everybody's lists. He's talking to women. We don't talk to women that can't vote their property. They were property. And he starts letting them be disciples. He lets former prostitutes become disciples. He lets former prostitutes touch his feet, wash his feet with her hair. Everybody is gasping at Jesus constantly because how dare he mess the rules up of who's in and who's out. Who does he think he is? We will we'll kill you if you don't knock it off. I just want to make sure we're all tracking here. Nicodemus is a part of that ruling council who will put Jesus to death. He's got questions. Let's find out about his questions and where and when he asks them. It says this in verse two. He came to Jesus at night. Everybody say at night. He came at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Okay. I know you, you got something, man. 
you come from God, okay? I know that's happening. We know that you come from God for what? For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Listen to me. There are people in this city who may not understand what you believe just yet. But it is our job to serve people who don't understand who our Jesus is. They don't even yet believe fully in him. They're interested in a part of who he is, but they're going to be interested in a part of who your Jesus is because of how you have shown them the signs of your faith. You understand? If you don't serve people who don't believe your belief, they'll never believe in your Jesus because your belief looks like you don't value the people Jesus did die for. So Nicodemus is like, look, man, you from God, that much we got. This whole business about son of God stuff, son of man stuff. You've been, you've, I've heard you say that, okay? And I don't know about all that mess, okay? I, you get a little, uh, how do I say this? You get a little liberal with who we're allowing around here. And he comes at night. Why is he there at night? He don't want nobody to see him. He got questions he's not allowed to ask. He got doubts he ain't allowed to have. If his colleagues find out he's talking to the one they want to kill, Nicodemus might be up there with him. He comes because there ain't no street lights. He comes because there ain't no house lights. There ain't no donkeys didn't have lights back then. Okay? You ain't lighting no city streets. It's dark. And you know what Jesus does? Watch this. This is what I love about Jesus. He takes the meeting. Jesus takes the meeting with someone who doubts and has questions and ought to know who he is. Don't you think a ruling member of the Jewish authority ought to know who the Messiah is? He ought to know. He ought to be able to recognize exactly who Jesus is. He's the one who knows who Moses is, who Noah is, who Daniel was, who Abraham, Isaac, Jacob was. He knows the whole story. He's supposed to be a ruling leader, and yet he can't recognize not a preacher, not an evangelist, not a prophet, not a good writer, not a good singer, not somebody who's generous and loves to give and build good stuff in the kingdom. No, no, no. He ain't none of that. He's the guy. The actual son of the living God right in front of him doing stuff. And Nicodemus is still like, yeah, I don't know. Because you, you're doing it different than how I thought you would do it. It's not how I think it's supposed to go. And I don't know if I want to give you permission to save all these people I don't like. I don't like these folks. And you bring them all around. They're all in the synagogue. All these Gentiles coming in here. You know they eat pork. They love their barbecue eating all these ribs and swine all the time. And you just going to let them come around? They detestable. So Jesus gets asked this question. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God for no one could perform the signs you're doing if you, if God were not with him. He is secretly asking this. Jesus replied, well, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. He didn't ask that question, but Jesus answers the question he's really asking. I want you to know something about Jesus. Jesus don't want to deal with your shenanigans. He wants to get to the heart of what's underneath, inside your heart. You want to give me all your excuses why you don't want to follow God, church, Jesus, this pastor, that person, that person was rude, they were mean, they judged me, all this stuff. Fine, 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 fine. Take everything out on Jesus for stuff people following Jesus did. But just remind me how much you like that when you don't do something wrong, but somebody holds you at fault for it. Do you like that? No, you don't. Then why do you do it to Jesus? Jesus ain't failed you. Christians failed you. 
let Jesus off the hook because he's the one you're really needing and want and he's the one who loves you. Yeah. I'm sorry for the knucklehead Christians. I really am. I have been one and sometimes can be one. But we should never allow the humanity of people to get in the way of the divinity of God's love for us. Jesus yeah. is talking to Nicodemus. Yeah. Nicodemus is like, look, and so Jesus goes right past to the issue. He goes, yeah, 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 how about this? You got to be born again. And then what does Nicodemus do? He's religious. He wants to sidestep the issue. He's like, wait, 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 wait. This is getting too deep, man. I want to really, I just want to come to church, kind of just be like somebody be nice to me. You're trying to get in my business right now. Y'all up in my Kool-Aid, man. You're trying to talk to me about stuff that I wasn't ready for. I just, just came to hear an inspiring message, and now you're in here talking to me about being born again? I don't want all that. I just want to know, man, like, can we keep them folks out, and can me and you be cool? And Jesus was like, you got to be born again. That's your real problem. Whoa, dude, you got all there. I will. And so now he plays coy. Well, surely you don't mean, Jesus, that someone has to be put back into the womb of their mother. I mean, obviously, that's not what you're trying to say, right? someone be born again, Jesus? I don't understand how this really works. I mean, it can't be that, right? Surely that can happen. So Jesus is like, you know what? I, I, I'm trying to tell you what the deal is. No, it's not physical. So now for a few verses, he's going to go back and forth. Verse 5, 6, 7, and 8. He's going to say, no, it's not born of the flesh. That's the body. Born of water, which is the spirit. It's not your body that's dead. It's your soul that's dead. Sin kills your soul. You can't have a living soul and actually still be the one that is trying to earn your own way. You need something to deal with the death in your soul. Sin kills you. Sin kills your soul. That's what's dead. That's what needs new life. He makes it clear. You can't get any more clear than that. And yet, he's like, Nicodemus answers, well, how can this be? And then Jesus is like, fine, now we're going to do theological discussion. So for 10, 11, 12, 13, Jesus starts telling him how this can be. And Nicodemus still is acting like, well, I just don't understand. Oh, you understand. You just don't like the implications. Because what I just did was I leveled the playing field. What does that mean? You think you're up here because you're a part of the Jewish ruling council and you're God's holy servant. You've known God for so long. You go to church. You are the one who doesn't do this, that, and the other. This list of sins you don't do. But you got this list of sins sitting inside your ugly little heart that you act like it's all cute and fine. But guess what? You're just as dead in those sins as these people are in those. You must be born again. Your soul is sick with the same sickness those people have. And if you keep thinking that the real deal is about their problems and they need to be more like you. And if they just lived more like you, then they'd be good. Even if they got to be like you, they'd still have the sin sickness in their heart because you can't earn your salvation. You can't earn forgiveness. You can't earn holiness and you can't earn righteousness. Please, I'll stop my message right now. If anyone in this room here at Pearl Street could raise their hand and say, apart from the grace of Jesus Christ, you have attained righteousness and holiness on your own accord, on your own merit, on your own good works. Please raise your hand so we can all meet this wonder, this spiritual wonder. No takers. No, not one. Why? Because you're a sin-sick sinner like the rest of us. You have the same problem I have. I am sin-sick. Guess what? 
I, Nicodemus, had the same problem. And you know what it was? I have a list of people I don't think are as bad as the others. And Jesus goes, you need to be born again, Nicodemus. You do know God. You know scripture. But you do not know a savior. And guess what that means for us? That means some of you can get to know, ready, God, the Bible. And now, because there, there was no savior up until that point. But if we were to take that and apply it to our world, we go, well, that means we can know God, the savior in scripture and still be incomplete with how we think it works. If you think Nicodemus was the only blind follower of God, you're blind right now. You could love the Bible, love God and love Jesus and love the cross if you don't get what the cross did, not for them, for you. Not one time when you got saved, every single day. You still need the cross. You didn't stop needing the cross because you got saved. You need the cross still and every day. And the day that you miss that, you miss John 3, 16. I don't care if you can say it in two languages and speak in tongues. It don't matter to me because guess why? You don't get what it means because you don't even know where it came from. Now let's get to John 3, 16 because Nicodemus don't want to hear it. And sometimes we don't want to hear it. So you know what he does? Jesus goes for the jugular. He's like, you know what? I'm done with this. Now I'm going to tell you a story. I know you know. You've taught this story in Sunday school, Nicodemus. Ready? Here you go. And he says this in John 3, 14, which is the red carpet to John 3, 16. And he says it this way, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert so must the son of man be lifted up that is everything how oh, what's that mean well let's go let's get into the text let's go there and then numbers chapter 21 verse 6 this is what it says it says well i'll give you there and then what happened was god used moses who's moses moses was the the deliverer he was the pre-christ he's the foretelling of christ just like abraham was the foretelling of the father who lays down isaac and he lays down isaac to die but then god rescues him and it's a foretelling of god having what isaac was a what miracle child he was born of a miracle he his his mom couldn't have children and had a child it's a miracle child mary can't have children had a miracle child isaac gets laid down jesus gets laid down these are these people who point to jesus moses takes god's people out of slavery in egypt leads them into the promised land on the way to the promised land the people lost sight of who was delivering them and started to murmur and complain about the way god was setting them free be careful with getting irritated with how God is bringing freedom and deliverance and the timeline he has. Because his time is different than your time. And last time I checked, we're the ones that are supposed to surrender and trust and obey. So Jesus is telling him this story. Moses lifts up the snake. Why does he lift up a snake? I don't get it. What's going on? Oh, Nicodemus knew. You may not know. So here's what happened. The people start complaining. And the scripture says that God set snakes, venomous ones, on the people for complaining. And they started to die. Now, before you get religious and crazy, be like, yeah, that's right. I've been trying to tell you. You need, you know, if you're a mom, you want to get on your 16-year-old right now? Don't, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> See, them snakes, I've been telling you. Going, Listen, listen, this, listen, listen. This is pre the cross, okay? In the Old Testament, God judges his people and death is a part of judgment. When Jesus comes, Jesus is the one judged once and for all. God does not send snakes to kill you anymore. But I will tell you who does send snakes. 
The enemy of your soul does. And your sin does. The wages of sin is death. It ain't cute. Just because God ain't getting you don't mean you ain't getting you. Okay, God don't get you. Your sin gets you. Okay, it ain't cute. It ain't like, oh, no big deal, man, right? God forgives. He does forgive. Listen, you can be forgiven and still end up with a lifetime of problems for the stuff that you did. And God, listen, God will love you. He'll walk with you through it. He'll be there to care with you. He'll help you. Man, when you can't do it, he'll help you do it. I mean, God will be there with you for you, but you show enough going through it. So sin ain't cute. It ain't just, ah, I don't know what. I don't see no problem. No, 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 no. Take a good look around. Because it has a penalty. It will kill anything good, healthy, right in your life. That's what it does. So the Mo Moses' story, snakes start killing everybody. So watch what they do. They come. Now all of a sudden they're like, oh, my bad. My, hey, my bad. My bad. Okay, you, you, you cool. Moses, we was playing. We like Moses. We, we like Moses. We ain't going to say nothing against Moses no more, right? Okay, so this is how it goes. It says, the people came to Moses and said, we've sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. God, take these snakes out of my life. God, take these, these attacks, take these problems, these issues out of my life. Anybody ever prayed that kind of prayer? That's what they're praying. Verse 8, the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten and becomes sick and looks upon the snake will live. Death becomes life if they'll look upon the snake now what's the snake the snake they knew see in hebrew culture the snake was the symbol of evil why because it's what got the thing started the snake went to adam and eve and got the whole story started and they all know that story they all know genesis exodus i mean they know what happened in their story so they know wait so the snakes that are killing us you're going to take a snake put it on a pole lift it in front of the people and everyone they start bringing people who are sick bring the people get them sick anyone sick anyone hurt got to look up at that thing on the pole the the bronze snake so it says this to moses watch moses made a bronze snake and he put it on a pole anyone that was bitten by a snake and looked on the bronze snake they lived why was this bronze snake lifted up it was so all of the results of their sinful attitude against a God who loved them could be eradicated the moment they looked upon the symbol of their own evil now Jesus says, let's go back to his conversation with Nicodemus. Let's go into that and see if we can find something else for us. He says, just as the son of man was, I'm sorry, just as the snake was lifted up in the wilderness, so too must me, I, the son of man, be lifted up. And if I'll be lifted up, guess what? Everyone who believes, believes upon the one what? Lifted up as a what? Snake. What's the snake a symbol of? Evil. I'm going to become evil your evil my evil everyone's evil the evil that that you can admit to the evil that you are waking up to today all of it that shows up every day i'll become the one cursed is the one who hangs on the tree if i be lifted up i will draw all mankind to myself it says then that jesus told him i'm to become the snake god ain't gonna send snakes but our evil and our sin, our enemy and people who are living lives that don't care about nothing but getting for themselves will release painful circumstances and snakes into our life. If you've been betrayed, if you've been lied on, if you've been left, if you've been fired for stuff, 
that you know when you're bad, if you've had anything like that go down, if you had someone that should have been something but they didn't show up, it could have been a neglectful parent, it could have been a coach that just ignored your potential, whatever it is that you know what it's like. And if you know what it's like to set snakes on yourself, to be able to look honestly in the silence of a moment and say, this, these are snakes I brought into my life. These, I went out and I actually pursued them. I didn't just allow them. I went and brought them home. And now I got them running around my kids. I got this attitude, this way of thinking, this way of spending money, lack of budget, lack of emotional empathy. I don't know how to say sorry. My kids don't know how to say sorry because they never heard me say sorry. Everybody makes excuses because I make excuses. Snakes living inside the house. How do you get rid of them? Well, Jesus said this. Just as the snake was lifted up and everyone who looked on the snake went from death to life, so too must I be lifted up. Why? So that everybody who looks at me, everyone who gazes upon me, everyone who fixes their belief and their hope upon me, everyone who will look upon the cross on the evil symbol of the snake from the wilderness that I will become and I will take on the sins of the world, you, I will take it all on and you must look upon me and then whatever's dying in you, dead in you, if you will follow who he is you can have life and the snakes will start to be sent away from you that's the promise what is he saying he's saying this when i am lifted up i will lift you up when i am lifted up I will lift you up. How do you get out of the decay of your own heart? How do you get out of the venomous snakes that lift me up? In your eyes, in your heart, lift me up. Declare who I am. Humble yourself before me. Get connected to my local body, to a church. Share honestly with me and continue to look to me as your savior. See, here, here's what God knew. If God would have looked through the annals of history and thought that what we needed was money, he would have sent an economist. If God would have looked throughout eternity and thought what we needed was technology, he would have sent a scientist. If God would have looked through the annals of history and he would have looked out and said, you know what they really need? They need entertainment. He would have sent a comedian or an artist. If God would have thought what we needed was technology, he would have sent engineers, but what he knew, that we needed was forgiveness. And so Jesus was sent as a savior because that's what it was that you and I need. who you are and I don't know where you're going and I may never get a chance to ever talk to you one on one but listen to me now please 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 I believe right now that there is a need in this house in this room both individually and as a church for a few things one is the posture of the heart to know why he was lifted up Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus, as long as you think the reason I'm going to be lifted up is for them, you've missed the point. It's the sneakiest thing he does to Christians, to believers in Jesus. And let me tell you the sneaky thing. You give your life to Christ, you learn salvation, you become aware of his love, and you begin to follow him. And then from that moment forward, you start to think that you don't need saving anymore because you got saved. 
listen, you're good for eternity. But in terms of the day-to-day understanding, the day-to-day realization and your heart's posture to live from a position of, I, I look upon you. To lift up, you must be lower. You must be humble in heart. I know Pastor Brent preached about that a couple weeks ago. He preached about, we gotta be humble. You gotta be able to look not down at the people with the list of stuff you don't like, but you must learn how to go, no, no, no. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. I don't need them more. You don't need them more. I don't need them less than you do. You're not closer to, we're, it's all level. We're all in need of the Savior on the tree. We're all in need of the one on the cross. We're all in need of the symbol of my evil. Equally, I know you got different reasons. I don't need them more. I need them different. Do you understand that? You don't need, nobody needs Jesus more than you. They need him different than you. And if we could build a church going forward at Pearl Street, our city and beyond that will teach the world, yes, let, I'm not going to step back and say, you don't need Jesus. You ain't gonna hear me doing that. I'm not watering it down. You are a sinner, you need a savior. You hear that? I can't get more clear than that. But listen, that's John 3, 16. But what the church needs to start doing is living out John 3, 14. John 3, 14. I lift him up. The son of man must be lifted up. Well, to lift him up, I've got to recognize I'm the one that put him on that pole. I'm the one that put him on that cross. It ain't everybody else's shady, shysty, sinful heart. It's my sinful heart. And the more I think that there's somebody else with a more sinful heart than me, I don't know how bad I need him. That's one. Two is this. I got to say, I think right now there's a city in San Antonio and they don't know that they got included. And we need to send Pearl Street out like Nicodemus was sent out to go out and say, "Uh uh-uh, it's all of us. We all equally need them and we're all included in the story of grace. But you need a savior. You don't need more money. You don't need to watch more clips on YouTube. You don't need to see more stuff on TikTok or Instagram. You don't need to scroll aimlessly, looking just to bore yourself out of the pain that you feel from the mistakes you've made or the ones made to you. What you need is silence and honesty and a time for your soul to look up on the cross and say, Savior, I give you my life. That. That will answer what you're really trying to get solved with all the other shenanigans and machinations of how we go about doing it. No, God says, you you can just cut all that out and come right here and actually get what you're looking for. If I will lift him up, he will lift me up. With every head up and every eye open, because if you won't do this in front of people who will love and pray with you and walk with you through it, you ain't gonna do it when you go out there and your friends text you next Friday, okay? It ain't gonna happen. So right here and now, if this matters to you and you are tired of the results of your decision-making and you would like to see some of the results of the type of decision-making that Jesus wants to lead you into doing and empower you to do, and you want to turn your life over to Jesus, I want to pray with you right now. Would you just put your hand in the air and say, that's me, Pastor. Include me in your prayer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
you put your hands down. I want to invite everybody to stand up to their feet. We're going to say a prayer. It's going to be two parts. First part's going to be for who just raised their hand. Here's the second part. If you're in this room right now and under the sound of my voice online or in this room, you would say, Pastor Chris, I got some snakes in my life, man, and they're causing sickness, pain, harm, emotionally, spiritually, physically in my life. And I have not been looking up. I've been trying to figure out how to stump them all out myself. But I realize that the way that this all gets eradicated is I lift him up and I focus back on him. He's the one that makes the way through it all. He's the one that works it out. It is him that sets the captive free. It's him that takes the snakes and removes them. And if that's you tonight, today, would you raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I need God to get rid of some of these snakes in my life. Where you at? Lift your hand to God and say, God, that's me. I need, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Put your hands up high in the air. Just lift your hands high. Let's just allow God to start right now in this moment. I'm going to ask him to sing this song. I'm going to say a prayer right now and ask God to move by the power of his spirit. God, in your mighty name, Jesus, I ask two things. One, for every person who says, I need to turn my life over to you. God, for them, we pray this. Jesus, we admit we're sinners. We are sin sick and we need saving. So we confess our sins before you and we ask right now that you would come and take over our lives. We believe you died for us as a sacrifice, as an offering, but you did not stay dead. You rose from the dead. And so fill us with the Holy Spirit so we can live for you. We can find out what you have for us and we can leave the snakes and the lifestyle behind and follow you, God, for the plans you have. And next, God, for the snakes that are in our lives, as we lift you up right now in this moment, and it ain't just for this moment, this is a starting point for us to learn to do this day in and day out. But God, right now in the name of Jesus, would you move, set movement. We lift up the pole, the same pole that's on the back of every ambulance. It's got a pole and snakes. I ask in Jesus' name that the real Savior, Jesus, 